Welcome to the Percussion Studio Podcast. We will be visiting with various percussion performers, educators, manufacturers, and publishers. Stay tuned to K. Wiley Publications for future podcast interviews and more information. Now, welcome our host, Kenan Wiley, and this edition of the Percussion Studio Podcast. Welcome, everybody, to our podcast number two for the Percussion Studio Podcast. This is awesome. Glad you're with us today. We are going to welcome in a great drummer. You're going to be excited. This is going to be awesome to listen to. Uh, He's a great drummer, educator. Please welcome to the podcast, Mr. Jim Riley. All right. Wow, that thunderous applause, Ken, and I appreciate it. Well, only the finest. To know we had a large studio audience. <laughs> it's very large, very large. I'm glad yeah. you're you're with us today, Mr. Riley. It's been a while since we've talked. I think I ran into you, oh, at a convention, I guess, a couple of years ago, I and guess then it was yeah, at Tasic. Uh-huh. At Tasic, I think it was when you were launching uh, your I, what I believe is your latest book. That may have been it. That may have been it. So how have you been? Where have you been? What you've been doing? Tell us, keep us up to date where Jim Riley has been and what Jim Riley is doing. All right, man. Well, this, this week right now, I'm on a, I'm on a, just family vacation. I'm in Louisiana with the, uh, with the wife and kids visiting some family. Um, so we're off uh, with Rascal Flats this week and next week, actually, which is pretty nice. But, uh, we're we're kind of in the middle of our our uh, Rascal Flat summer tour, so we're uh, you know we're hitting about thirty cities this summer uh, on the uh, the summer playlist tour, and uh, that that's basically one of the the main things I'm doing. And uh, actually, like next week, I'm uh, I'm doing a camp at my house, so I'm doing I've got I've got eight drummers coming in to study with me uh in, in a group uh for my uh my i guess that's gonna be my 17th drum dojo camp uh and yeah those, those are kind of two of the, the main things i'm up to right now well yeah i was gonna get to that conversation somewhere today but since you led me to it i did want to talk about your your uh, drum is it Dojo? Is that what it is? <laughs> yeah, yeah, drum dojo. Okay, so I've I've seen this on Facebook and I've seen your your information about. It. Tell us a little bit about what that's what it is because there's probably some people listening that don't know what it is and kind of what you do. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, uh, Kenan and I. For those of you who don't know, we we uh, met in college at North Texas, and uh, for me, that was the fall of 1987, and. Kenan and I marched on the drum line together at uh, then North Texas State University. And of then course. the next year it was uh, University of North Texas. Um, I was a music education major at, at UNT. And I've always had a passion for teaching as, as a lot of us did. And, and you know, like, like Kenan and I and dozens of our friends, uh, you know, we've continued our, our, our passion for education. Uh, you know, over the last uh, couple of decades. Now, for me, I have a, a studio, and uh, when we built the house that, that uh, my family presently lives in, we built it, you know, knowing that the uh, there was going to be a 1,000 square feet that was dedicated to, um, to my percussion studio. So that's what I've got. I've got, uh, you know, 
Actually, this weekend I'll have nine drum sets set up there. And most of the time I have six drum sets set up and I've got um, two marimbas, a xylophone, and um, and then I have a uh, waiting room that I've, I've got the practice pad set up. And it's a place where I can teach people on a number of platforms. So I do private lessons with people where they come in and take a one-hour lesson one-on-one with me. I do Skype lessons there. Um, I do group lessons with my um, 6th through 12th graders that come in and study with me uh, nine months out of the year. Actually, 10 months out of the year. We're on break right now for summer. And then um, lastly, I do these, uh, these camps with mostly adult drummers where they come in and spend the weekend with me um and we uh we try to study super practical things and things that are going to make them a better uh a, a better uh musician behind the drum set wow that's awesome so the um the you kind of have different platforms i guess one that's kind of regular with some some students in the area and then people that come in that maybe just come in for a uh, come almost like a camp you know or a workshop yeah yeah exactly those are you know and the, the camps were kind of an extension for me of the concept that i've been doing of this group lesson format where i could you know and and, and i've got a a, a a friend of mine named Dennis Rogers, you may know Dennis. Uh, he, he was Julie Davila's, uh, one of Julie Davila's teachers uh, in high school. Okay. And, um, and he, he is, a, he's, he's still a really great friend of mine. He's a, he's an educator up there in the Kansas city area. And he kind of hit me to this idea that he was doing, which was doing group lessons where I'm not a fan of half hour lessons because when I think, you know, a kid walks in, you know, two minutes late and then you ask him how he's doing and then you get down to playing and you know, you, 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 there's just not a lot of time there. And my concern is that when there's not a lot of time, you're not able to focus on all of the things you need to be a great and successful percussionists, particularly in high school and then as we're going on to college. So I want my kids to be as well-rounded as they can be. So they take an hour lesson with me, and they're studying 20 minutes of snare drum, 20 minutes of keyboard, and 20 minutes of drum set in general. I mean, we, we, we skip around, but that's the general formula. And that way, um, you know, my goal is to make sure that these kids are as productive in their school environment as possible, but also that I'm leading to them, lead them, leading them to a point where they're able to be college ready eventually, which I have three kids I just sent off that studied with me literally from the sixth grade to the 12th grade. And two of them just went to music school and one of them uh, is studying something else, but will be playing in the middle Tennessee drum line. Wow, that is amazing, Jim Riley. The, the the drummer for Rascal Flats is giving percussion education to these students. I think that is amazing. That is amazing, dude. That's hats off to you. I mean, that's really it, cool. It, it's pretty interesting because I think that that sort of gets you in the door. But I think, like you know, 
with the parents, they kind of go, oh, wow, this is impressive. But at the same time, you know, that, that, the charm of that kind of wears off. And at the end of the day, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm kind of held to the same standard as everybody else's that, you know, you really need to do a great job of instructing these kids. And, you know, my goal has always been to help the band directors make their programs better. So these kids are better in middle school. They're making their honor bands. They're playing in the jazz bands. They're becoming leaders in the drum line. Uh, and then ultimately being ready uh, to, to study at the next level. I mean, that's been my goal. And I think, you know, no matter what names are attached to what I do, if I'm not doing that, then, you know, um, I, I don't, I'm not going to retain the students any more than anyone else's. So it, it kind of helps me a little bit at the top, but then, you know, I got to put the same work in everyone else does to, to, you know, to make sure that I'm doing a great job with these kids. Yeah, that's that's true, and it's uh, it, it even if you weren't playing with Roscoe Flats, I still think you'd be doing it. <laughs> you know, you still be you still oh, yeah. be teaching. You know, so yeah. that's awesome. And that's I, a, I'm always going to do it. That's, that's just something I'm always going to do. Uh huh. So we we have all kinds of listeners. I think we have people who are. We probably have students listening. We probably have educators listening. We probably have performers listening. So we'll kind of touch a, le- a little bit on each because I know there's some some people out there that want to talk about you know your band and and all that. And we'll get to some mm-hmm. of that. But but I I definitely was very intrigued in visiting with you because knowing you know we know each other and and I know you have a passion for education and I think that's that's so cool to, um, to, to see you giving, giving back to kids, you know, in this kind of way. And, and, and it's a passion. It's, it's really awesome. And you really care about it, which is really cool. It's not just something you're doing to make a buck. You know, some people will teach lessons, but their heart's not, no, really I, it, you know, yeah, I know that's, that's frustrating for me when I see that, because I, I think, you know, this is something I really care about and they're doing it just because out of, out of necessity or that they that they found like, well, I got to make a, like you said, I got to make a buck. And I started doing this actually at the height of Rascal Flats. I mean, like it was like probably 2000, probably when I opened up this studio was 2008 and the and Rascal Flats was kind of dumbfounded by it. They were like, what are you doing? You know, almost like we don't pay you enough money. You got to go out and get a side job. And I'm like, and I explained to them, I said, listen, I'm, I'll be teaching no matter what. If I wasn't here, I would be teaching. If I'm here, obviously I'm teaching, you know, it's something that I have a passion for. If you paid me a million dollars a year, I'd still be teaching. And you hope that that's, you know, what everyone would do. It's like the goal is to be able to do a job that you would do even if you didn't need the money. And that's what I do. I spend my time doing things that I love to do and that I would do anyways. Yeah. Well, that, that, that's, that's awesome. It's, it's, it's cool. I mean, I, I'm, when I hear you talk like that, it makes me want to go teach some more. <laughs> I'm like, let's get out and do some more. Um, so exactly. I wanted to ask you with these, um, and it's because we probably have educators out there that are listening. What kind of, when you're working in these uh, environments with these students, what kind of resources do you use to teach? Uh, well, it's been, been interesting. Um, I, I, I go between writing my own resources and uh, I, I have to say um, 
I, I have been uh, I've been starting to use some of yours. Oh my gosh! Um, <laughs> you, you were ki- you were kind enough to send me some uh, some uh, a, a, a collection of early snare drum solos, and uh, I'm really enjoying those. And I'm just starting to get those out to my kids. But I, I think it's important. I, I think something that I was doing that I wasn't happy with is I was teaching a lot of fundamentals and I wasn't doing as much repertoire. And, um, you do a great job of putting out a lot of both, which is, which is great. And those are great resources to have a uh, repertoire that is attractive to all levels, particularly these super young players. And, um, so that's something that I've dabbled in. I mean, like I, I'm kind of constantly writing a snare drum book, but I don't know what's going to happen with that. Um, some people may know I have a book out that's called survival guide for the modern drummer. That's my main drum set resource just because that's a very all encompassing book in terms of, uh, going from, from rock playing to jazz playing to, to, shuffles to Latin to metal to you name it. It's, it's a pretty wide book, but it starts off in a way every, every chapter starts off in a way that is going to be fairly uh, accessible to even young players. So that's a book that I start them on drum set, but we use, I mean, you know, kids, I mean, two of my kids are literally going to a college where they're using that book. So they're, (laughs) They, they're going to have uh, they're going to have a little bit of exposure to that yeah. book for sure. Um, the last thing is is I'm I'm actually currently writing a book and I've been sharing some of the uh, the exercises from that and that that book is called that book is going to be called Improvisational Tools for the Modern Drummer and that's kind of the flip side where I'm working on um, you know patterns and systems around the drum set but making sure that everything that I'm, I'm demonstrating is coming out of and going back into playing time. In other words, it's not just licks that are like just kind of hanging out in the stratosphere. This is all stuff that you have to be able to use in a musical context. Otherwise it's just a lick. So, um, so that's, that's what I'm working on right now. And I'm, I'm actually hoping to have, some pretty major, uh, I definitely want to have that out in 2020. Yeah. I'm sure people will be ready for it when you're, when you're ready to put it out there, somebody, there'd be a lot of people at the bottom. <laughs> so, well, the last one, you know, the last one, the survival guide for the modern drummer has been pretty successful because the, the, the thing that I did with that one that, uh, hadn't really been done a lot was when I, when I, did jazz recordings I used like world class jazz players. When I did the country recordings I used Nashville session country players. When I did the blues stuff I used specialized blues players. You know, when I did the Latin stuff I actually enlisted the help of our friend Lalo Davila. Lalo Davila. And uh, yeah, so and he he has, you know, a working salsa band and he brought some of his guys and girls in there. And, uh, and so we, uh, we tried to make every, uh, section of the book authentic. And so that's really resonated with people that, uh, when you're playing with, 
with the music that I've got with that book that it's um, that it, it really kind of engulfs you with a very genuine uh, uh, sense of authenticity with the music. Yeah. Um, you know, getting back to the resources, I asked uh, my last guest this question and I wanted to kind of hear your thoughts on it because I'm sure you hear, I'm sure you run across all types of students, you know, uh, like, like you said, uh, younger and older and the, the power of the internet and using that as a resource. I mean, I'm sure you get, you get uh-huh. people that come in and say, Hey, I just saw this on the internet and you see how well these kids are playing at such an early age. It's mind. Yeah. And I think a lot of that's because of the internet. Well, yeah, it, it's a double edged sword. You know, there is definitely more resources on the internet. And, um, I think that there's, there's a lot of things, there's a lot of positive things on there, but I think that the negative thing that I've noticed more and more, and it, you know, it's different, I'm sure in different areas, but there are a lot of young people out there that aren't involved in their band programs, and then they're just learning 100% of what they're doing on the internet, and if they're not, I guess what I'm saying is there's some fundamentals that are being missed by some of them. And I've noticed I've got some, I've got two or three players in their twenties that are having problems, you know, with their mechanics uh, because they never learned any proper technique and it makes what they do, everything they do so much more difficult. Mm -hmm. And um, so I think at the end of the day, the, the, the internet, is a, is an amazing resource, but I think that that with anything that you want to be great at, it doesn't matter whether you're uh, a percussionist or whether you want to be a quarterback in the NFL. Getting personalized instruction is really going to help you get there a lot faster and a lot more efficiently. Yeah, I agree. You know, when 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 I think when we both were growing up, we didn't have the internet, so the only way we could learn was by model or listening or <laughs> getting instruction in person. And so, I mean, there is sometimes there's no substitute for that. Even the internet is great, but um, I agree. There's sometimes you miss some important steps along the way, <laughs> and uh, it's yeah, it's yeah, you important. can, you can. It it, but but I, I embrace it. I embrace it. I love the fact that, you know, I can, I can say, Oh, this song and think about like, that's an example of what I'm talking about. Just pull it up and I've got, you know, my Apple music and it's right there. Or we can, you know, say, um, here's this, uh, here's this performance of a Ken and Wiley snare solo. I can go to YouTube and if you want to hear it, there it is, you know? And I think that that's really valuable for kids to be able to do that too, because um, it, it, it used to be a lot more difficult to do those sorts of things. So I, I'm definitely not one of those get off my lawn, you know, kind of <laughs> like this, uh, you know, the, uh, the internet is ruining education. I mm-hmm. think that it's a really great tool if we use it correctly. But I think that I know that kids are better having, a guide that can give them like some real personalized instruction. Um, and, and, and it, cause it's not all about just drumming too. Sometimes it's about just helping them find themselves and find the direction 
of, of where they need to be, whether they need to be an educator or this kid might need to be a performance major or this kid would be better at this school or that school, depending on, you know, what the curriculum's like. I mean, that's stuff that you can't really get off of the internet. That's stuff that comes from experience. Exactly. And I, I think your, your passion for education is definitely makes you unique in the sense of, of, um, you know, your, your notoriety for playing in such a great band. And, and I, I think that's awesome. And I wanted to switch gears for just a second and talk a little bit more about your, your band. Cause I'm sure we have some, some listeners who mm-hmm. want to know more about that. I have a couple of questions. <laughs> One is yeah. mean, if you'll tell everybody how, when, how long have you been playing with Rascal Flats? I know it's been, I've been a while. I've been but... playing with Rascal Flats for 19 years. This is literally my, my 20th season. I'm beginning my 20th season with them on the road. Amazing. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty awesome. You know, Rascal Flats, as they would say, is, Jay DeMarcus, Jonah Rooney, Gary Lavox. It's their band. It's their thing. Um, they hired me in the year 2000 to be their drummer. They additionally uh, put the, um, the title of musical director on me in 2001, which has been the case ever since. Um, so, I mean, my job with them is to make sure that they're live show is um is coming off at the highest level over the years that's that's encompassed a lot of things from hiring and unfortunately even letting go players to making sure players are prepared to even making sure they have what they need to be prepared and be successful which may mean you know running rehearsals in a way like i'm the boss even though two of the people that are in the band are my employers, but they want me to run things, you know, in a way where I'm, I'm leading things. Yeah. That's what, and, uh, that's what I wanted to ask a little bit about is that, I mean, maybe some people may just think you're the drummer, but you're actually the director. I mean, like you're running the show. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. You know, I mean, like if they say, Hey, I want to do this. I mean, for instance, you know, I got a call this year and he was like, Hey, will you play, will you play a multicolored drum set? And I went, Oh God, you know, and I was thinking, <laughs> I don't really want to do this, but so then I went, okay, what about, and then I thought was thinking quick and I'm a Ludwig guy. So I was like, what about the um, tequila sunrise, which is kind of like a, a red, yellow, amber, like combination. And they're like, yeah, that's cool. So, now I'm doing that. And I was originally thinking about doing a high snare and a low snare. And he said, how about just do the low snare this year? We've never done that before. So I'm like, okay, he's the boss. And so I'm going to, I'm going to figure out ways if I can to make it work. So, I mean, it's changed my whole approach on how I'm doing, how I'm uh, musically playing the gig. Like usually on this gig, I'm like a rim shot guy with a medium high snare drum pitch wise and now I'm playing a super super low snare drum with no rim shot and getting a completely different sound and I'm having a blast doing it but it's a it's a totally different approach and it's an approach that I was asked to take because I have employers and they're like hey this is what we want to do but at the same time I mean on our live show I'm when when the, that show starts I'm literally in charge of 
the, the pace of the entire show from the beginning to the end. Everything we play to is to a click track. Um, running alongside the click track is what's called time code. And the time code is actually controlling probably 80% of the lights and 90% of the video. So if I say I was to hit stop on my machine, it would be like Terminator. It would just go, <laughs> the whole show would stop. And um, so the, the, as a result, the entire pace of the show is dictated by me, including we have video vignettes. Believe it or not, I'm firing the video vignettes from behind the drum set. Wow. Um, and it's all like I'm in complete control of the pace of the show. I have a microphone to my far left that is a talkback microphone that everyone in the band, including the lead singer and, and most of the crew can hear me. So I can make emergency changes. I can remind them of changes. I can remind them of things that have gone wrong. So we, or if things go wrong, I can give them cues to try to make things go right. Uh, it's my job to make sure that the ship stays even and doesn't topple over. And if it starts to, then everyone knows that I'm going to say something that is going to result in an action that is going to put us back on the even keel. Wow. That's a lot of responsibility. Yeah, there's a lot. <laughs> it's, it's definitely a lot. I've, there's been a couple nights where in my, in my history of that, where a couple of things technically have gone wrong and that's not fun, but, um, it, it's the biggest, biggest thing for me is like, you know, we were playing the first show this year. I was just, it was, when we played the first show of this year. It was literally the first real run through we were doing of the show was the, was the actual concert. So I just have to keep, I'm trying to think about grooving and having fun, but I was also really thinking about just executing the, you know, the plan, you know, the, the set list, and the pacing and the timing. Yeah. That's, and, uh, yeah, it's, it's definitely a lot. That, that's what I was going to ask. I mean, like, do you, do you have so many responsibilities? Sometimes you, you, you just want to just want to play. <laughs> I have to worry about, about all <laughs> you that know, stuff. I, I, I kind of get, I kind of get used to it at this point. It's, it's just kind of my role out there. You know, there's certain places where I just find myself, you know, throwing out cues, Especially because we're very notorious for making, like, we don't play Life is a Highway the same this tour as we did last tour. We don't play, there's songs like These Days that, I mean, we've played 15 different ways. I mean, literally, we've, you know, we've done it so many different ways. We're doing Mayberry in a way this year that we've never done it, and so... Some of us, there's two of us that have been in, in the band with those guys for a long, long time. We have so many versions of arrangements flying around in our head that, like, <laughs> I just have to remember, okay, we're doing this. But in, in addition, I have to make sure that I'm cueing everyone and saying, okay, we've got this hard start. We've got this hard stop on four uh, coming up, and I'll count them into it. Um, just to make sure, because if I don't, I find people will miss them. Yeah. And so every once in a while, I'll kind of test it and leave one out and I'll leave a cue out and I go, Oh yeah, no, I can't leave that cue out. And then I'll go, no, I know I gotta, I gotta do that cue for the rest of the year. But, uh, you just get, 
I get used to it because in addition to that, I'm also singing background vocals. So yeah. I've got one mic where I'm singing and then four inches to the left, I've got another mic where I'm, uh, where I'm doing, uh, I'm doing cues. And then I have a third button where I can talk to my drum, just my drum tech. That's a lot of buttons, Jim. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot, there's a lot going on there. And I, and I will say this, that when I started with Rascal Flatts in 2000, I wasn't ready for where it was going to, where it ended up in 2006. And I don't think in 2006, I was really ready for where it ended up in 2016. I think that I've, I've grown with it. Um, and I'm still to the point where, you know, my experience is, is something that is of real value, um, to the organization just because there's a certain historical perspective that I can bring to the gig in terms of knowing what we've done their entire career. Like if they want to jump into something in, in, in an off the cuff situation, they know that everything they know, I know. Yeah. And that's pretty comforting because, you know, one of the rascal flats is the bass player. And one of them is the guitar player and myself being the drummer. If we, we all know that we know it, we're pretty sure we can get through it. So, um, it's been a great relationship and, um, you know, I, I hope that it, it continues for many, many, many years, but I've always kind of from a, from a realistic point of view, like I do enough work outside of Rascal Flatts that it wasn't there that, you know, I mean, I, I would be fine because I, I just, I've ramped up my, my teaching and, uh, especially my, my recording. I'm doing a lot of recording from home now, uh, which that's something that I'm able to integrate into my teaching, which is pretty cool. Um, but, but getting the recording rig at my house two years ago has been a real game changer as well. Now you, I think the last time we talked in person, you said that, um, are you guys doing like maybe two weekends a month about playing? Why? How much are y'all playing? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like we, we did the first weekend of this month and then we got these middle two off and then we've got the last one of this month. And then in July, July, we're working every weekend, but one of those weekends is a week in Tahoe and my family's coming out that whole week. So that doesn't really count. <laughs> um, you know, and then in August, there's a week off and then the September, there's two weeks off. And then, Normally we've been done in September, but we've got kind of a, at, towards the end of, um, towards the end of, uh, October, we have a, um, we have kind of a crazy, uh, Canadian run. Um, so I'm, I'm actually just now starting to make some, some plans to maybe visit my friends at Tremio or something like that while I'm up there. It sounds like it's a great balance of of playing and being able to be with your family and being able to teach. I mean, Absolutely. That's amazing. That's been the thing that's been at the cornerstone of Rascal Flatts. Uh, you know, the first year we were out, the first summer we were out with Rascal Flatts, Gary Lovox, our singer, had his first, his first child. And he was basically laid down the law and said, you know, I'm not going to be gone for a month doing any of that kind of stuff. If you got me gone for longer than two weeks, you know, I'm not doing it. And, um, so as the guys have gotten more successful, I think they've played as much as they want to play. So I have a great balance where in my life right now, I don't do 
enough of anything that it drives me crazy. Um, I don't do enough teaching or recording or touring that it, it like starts to become a drag. So like, I, I, I think about it almost like, uh, like, like they do with workouts where you're, you're running and then you're, you're walking and then you're running, you're walking. It's like, um, I, I feel like, you know, going from playing on the road to doing home studio stuff to doing my teaching, I, I feel like I'm, I'm always jumping around to something different. I'm never bored. I'm never burnt out on any particular thing. So it's a really great balance for me. Yeah. It sounds like it is. How, how old are your kids? Uh, 11, seven and four. Wow. I've got two older daughters and uh, my son is four. You got your hands full there, Jimbo. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Hey, I saw, I saw something on Facebook you posted. I didn't know your, your wife is, she's a singer too, huh? Yeah, that's actually how we met. Uh-huh. Um, we met in a, a, a club. I was subbing for a guy. It was my first year with Rascal Flatts. But this guy had asked me if I could sub his gig out that weekend. So I was playing at this club. And on the breaks, instead of putting music on, they had this trio get up and sing. And I thought they were really great. And, uh, you know, I, I like to, I like to, to get in there and produce music. And I thought that they were really great. And I talked to them and, uh, I asked them if they had a demo done and they, they didn't. So, uh, I worked with them to put together a demo and, um, kind of in the process of that, you know, I mean, I knew that there was, you know, this beautiful girl in the, in this group, but she wasn't the lead singer. She was kind of like mostly like a harmony singer in this group. But, you know, I, I thought she was really beautiful, but uh, that wasn't, you know, that I was just, I was really more concentrating on the fact that, that, you know, they were, I thought they were a great group, but in that process, you know, of, uh, of doing that, you know, we ended up, uh, you know, meeting each other and, uh, falling in love and all that. So, um, awesome. we're now to the point where she's actually, you know, now that our kids are getting a little bit older, she's actually able to get out there and do a little bit more singing which I think puts her in a really great um, mental happy place, you know, cause when you're, when you're a, an artist and you don't get to do what you want to do, I think that can be very frustrating. Yeah. And uh, I do, I, I produce some, some, uh, some music uh, out of my, out of my studio. And so right now I'm, I'm recording some, I'm doing a four song project for somebody and we just did all of the background vocals on it. And so, um, she sings the high stuff. I sing the low stuff and, uh, we've always had a really good blend. So it's, it's kind of a blast to, uh, to do that, to, to work with your wife like that. That is very cool. Very cool. Makes, makes everything much easier and fun. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, I, I, I enjoy it. She's a, she's a great singer. And like I said, she's, she, we have a great blend. So, um, and, and singing is something that singing was really my first great exposure to music. I was in some really awesome. Um, I was in a, a fantastic youth choir up in Massachusetts uh, that I look back on and I go, wow. It's like, I look back at it now and I go, wow, that was, that was a really fantastic group. I was learning heavy duty repertoire at a very early age 
singing type harmonies on stuff, you know, when I was just, you know, 11 or 12 years old. And, and, and I, and I, I think that that experience really helped my ear out in a way that, uh, you know, has, has held on to, uh, today. Well, Jim, I can't thank you enough for being on this podcast. I mean, I know there's going to be people listening to us going, uh, going, wow, Jim Riley, he does all of this. This is amazing. I had no idea. I thought he was just a drummer for Rascal Flats, but he does all this <laughs> plus the drummer for Rascal Flats. That is amazing. And when you hear the music, that means we've concluded another episode of the Percussion Studio Podcast. Once again, a huge thanks to Mr. Jim Riley, everybody. Woo! Please remember to stay Thanks, tuned. Kevin. You got it. Stay tuned for more uh, information on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram concerning K. Wiley Publications. Until next time, stay safe and keep on drumming. <laughs>